not have opinions. Just don't let perfection be the enemy of the good. Self-love is really about self-respect and acceptance. So listeners, we have a special bonus podcast show for you today with a very special guest. Yo, this is the other time I don't go on here just to do the sponsorships. Let's go. No, I'm not giving you a high five. Hey. All right. Well, are you going to be your normal, usual self? Yeah, I'm going to be my normal, usual self and not just be like my sponsorship self. Okay. No, and not normal in a sense of like everybody else, because I don't want that. I want you to be your usual self. How about that? And that's what we're going to talk about today, right? And it's how you are what's called neurodiverse. My brain is different than yours. Yes, that's fair to say. And we have shared with everyone for many years, but we've known that you've had attention disorder since you were a baby. And today we're going to talk about what that looks like today as a 13-year-old, but also that you were recently diagnosed with autism. And how we are as a family and, you know, as a mom, how I am supporting you, but also how we worked with the school to make sure that you were getting the right supports at school, what that looked like before and after for you. Because I think a lot of people are afraid of a label or, you know, of their child being different. And what I think is really cool is that when you embrace that, you have such creativity and bring a lot to the table that is special that I think would be helpful for other people to hear. All right, podcast family, all right, listeners, all right, whole viewers, we're going to do a special bonus episode with the one and only me. You know, Cole came on the podcast once before they talked about his AD when he was probably about your age, maybe a little bit younger. So like 12 or like 13? I think he was 11. Yeah. Yeah, so like two years younger, Cole went on here. And I'll say we handle it a lot differently, right? So whereas Cole was not on medication, you are on two specific kind of supports. Do you know what they are? Yeah, I have the glucose or whatever. No, not glucose. It starts with a G. Guampazine. Guampazine. I'm not going to remember that. That stuff, which I'm pretty sure is used by ADHD. So I don't, you know, like, have, like, like, breakouts or whatever. Breakouts. That sounds like I have, like, like, wackles or something. Impulse control. My impulses. And I think what's important about that medicine is that your ADHD, while you are hyperactive, you found ways to work around that. Like, you have a guy here on the table, right? You often will use your own, what do they call those, fidgets? to to kind of keep yourself busy it's not the hyperactivity that's the problem for you because also you pace outside and you find ways to get that energy out for yourself it's the impulse control that you had a really hard time which is why you are on a non-stimulant medication to support that right he lost his arms the war war of your mind yeah he's also he lost his arms in the war okay your guys have a tough life but you love them well so that's okay it was a hard, brutal battle. Black Panther got his heart stabbed out. What else are you 
taking to support you that we started just a couple months ago. Oh, yeah, you guys gave probiotics. Yeah. Can you talk about that a little bit? So, so essentially, and I'm going to use very big terms, my poopy go almost poop gas. You, you can just say that you were having a lot of gas. Okay, yeah, I was farting a lot. A lot, yeah. And you were also, your belly was distended, right? Oh, yeah, that too, yeah. Have you found that the probiotics helped? Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Yes. But I think mostly because when I had the gummies, and because they had, like, double pill shapes, like, two gummies attached to the same thing, I took two instead of one. And you double-dosed? Yeah, so I double-dosed. So I think that's why I don't fart anymore. Okay. So Wesley is taking the Just Thrive gummy probiotics. But before those came out, you were taking the pill with your pill, right? Uh, yeah. yeah, you prefer the gummies. I do. Yeah. yeah. And you also have uh, gummies in the bathroom for fish oil, which was recommended by your pediatrician and some other vitamins in there. But we're not as concerned with you, like, needing that every day as much, yeah. So one of the things that I realized when we were trying to figure out how to better support you was that gut microbiome, as you call it, the and my my microbiome. Your poopy track, right? <laughs> you can just call it intestines. Yes. Okay. Good. I'm glad you're good with those words. The little bugs, the healthy little bugs in your intestines. Bacteria. Get are different. They've science has found that people with autism have different microbiome. And that's why the probiotic was so helpful for you, probably. I mean, probiotics are just good in general, but you found them to be like immediately helpful. And then when we went on vacation and you forgot them, you were not feeling so great. Other things that are different or helpful. Can we talk about that? So what's it been like for you since like when we first said to you, we think that you might be autistic. How did that feel? It felt a bit weird because I because we are always kind of mixed up like like autism, autistic, with like another like like a thing that's done with the name. I don't think it was like about neurodivergency as much. Did with it appearances, and I was like, is my face getting? Like I had no idea what autism really was. I knew it was like a thing, but like I didn't know exactly what the thing was. But I now know what the thing is, and I have done my research. Shocking news revelation: it is not caused by vaccine. It is caused by DNA, and you probably get it from your parents or by random chance. Somewhere in your DNA. Yeah, some of my DNA. Yeah. I got a lot of mental illnesses in my family, so it, you know, it makes sense that I would get autism. I mean, it's true. I think it's really amazing. I just want to pause for a minute. First of all, that you're able to say, I have a lot of mental illness in my family without any judgment or shame like I think that's something to really be proud of and I'm impressed by because when I grew up saying a statement like that would mean like oh that's something to hide and be ashamed about right but I have to hide a lot of stuff about I lived in the 70s wait no you lived in the 80s I said the 80s I know you're the one who loves to tell me about my 
what do you call it? The 1900s, the late 1900s. You actually say back in my age, dogs ran wild to me all the time. Because I like to joke about it now. Back in the olden days, when dogs ran wild. And I love that you said you didn't know about it, but now you do. So what did you do to learn about it? Essentially, now that I was autistic, I essentially went on TikTok and it just started popping up in my For You page. And those videos explain what autism is. And it explained to me that, geez, lots of people don't know what autism is. Yeah. A lot of people think that autism just equals stupider, which mm. is completely inaccurate. Like, people were like, it was like, oh, yeah, I'm, like, autistic. And they start to talk to you in, like, like a baby voice or anything. Honestly, these are some adults, so they probably had these experiences back in, like, the early 2000s or whatever. But, like, still, you know, it was kind of crazy to me. Because I learned that autism just made it so that the way that you process things is a bit differently. That's a great explanation. And that's why it's part of neurodiversity category, just the same way as ADHD is. And what we mean by that is, what are neurons? Neurons. Oh, they the little... Okay, so the things inside of your brain that do the electric. So essentially, the lighting rods inside your brain that communicate. So essentially, ants with lightning rods inside of your brain that tell each other, hey, I think it's time to eat. And so they go to my stomach and like, hey, I really want to eat. Go up to my brain. It's time to eat. Then I'm like, probably eat. I think ants with lightning rods is probably the best description. Did you hear that on TikTok or did you make it up? No, I just made it up on the spot. I'm impressed. I am. So you've got these ants with lightning rods running around, shocking people up in your brain. And your ants act differently and speak a different language than my ants. Yeah, most ants are like uh, Brazilian ants. My ants are from India. Okay. And that's what we mean when we say neurodiversity, right? We just mean that your thought process, you said processing, right? The thought process that you have is a little bit different. And sometimes you need to hear things a different way or you perceive things a different way than I do and it doesn't mean that it's wrong it doesn't mean that I'm stupid or you're stupid it just means that just like sometimes if you're speaking two different languages you need a translator sometimes we have to kind of translate for each other if we're speaking two different languages right this is a metaphorical I don't actually speak a second language but you're working on it I mean yeah I do I did do a battle of sponsorship so I'm legally obligated to one second language but we my first and my first the first everybody here speaks english i don't actually speak the language of autism correct correct of course there is no language of autism yet people who have autism find that when they hang out together that it's kind of easier to understand because the social expectations or the social norms that are difficult for you as someone who is neurodiverse, is something that's 
maybe easier to hang out with somebody else who kind of speaks that language, so to speak, right? So one of the things that surprised dad, and I know it's something dad's still working on processing himself, but that's probably where the genetics come from. It could also come from my side of the family because I also have neurodiversity on my side of the family. But one of the things that was kind of interesting for us was to see and to take notice of some of the characteristics that you had or the behaviors that you were exhibiting were easier when your impulse control was managed for ADHD. Do you remember when we were at home for virtual school? Okay. How difficult your impulse control was at that time. Oh, yeah. Before you went on meds. It, it was definitely difficult in order to, like, do anything. Because half the time, I would just, like, like do something else. Because it's very hard for me to, like, pay attention when it's just a screen. Because it's... Okay, this isn't just, like, an autism thing. It might be amplified by autism. But, like, my eyes start to hurt when I look at the screen too much. Mm-hmm. I know that's, like, a actual regular thing that happens to all people. But, like, I think I, I think I have it worse because it, the more painful it is, the less I want to do it. And also, I just not don't like what's going on and, like, you know, stuff. So, like, I just very quickly just either, like, just do something else, make a sandwich or off screen or whatever, and just mute myself, mute the face cam. There has been a very few times in the entirety of my fifth grade where I've actually shown my face. Well, another thing that happened was that you told me that you didn't want to be on YouTube or playing video games, but that you literally couldn't control yourself, that you would be sitting in a classroom and you would get distracted, whether it was because your eyes were hurting or whether it was because they put something in the chat, like a Google classroom link, and you didn't see it in time. And then you missed the transfer and you were just like over it. Right. Yeah. And. I remember you were getting really frustrated and you were banging on things and you threw a trash can. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. So do you, I think for me as a mom, I was thinking, oh, I'm doing you a favor by, you know, supporting you in lifestyle ways, encouraging you to get good rest and, you know, try to give you healthy foods and all of these kinds of things. Because I didn't want you to have to be labeled some sort of way. And in order to get on medicine, you would be labeled a way like, you know, as ADHD. And now looking back on it, my perception is very different. My perception is like, oh, I was doing you a disservice by not getting your body what it needed. It was asking for help and I wasn't giving it what it needed. Okay. And what we realized when we got you on medicine for the ADHD and we saw your impulse control become better managed, better hyperactivity, better regulated, and we started seeing the characteristics and behaviors show more of itself from the autism spectrum. (laughs) Listeners, you can't see it. But we've been sitting here for about 15 minutes and Wesley's attention is gone. (laughs) I don't know what he's doing. My my hands are different sizes. 
if you put one hand back in the camera and one hand forward, they do look different sizes. Yes. I'm like, I'm going to list off characteristics of ASD, autism spectrum disorder. You have something that used to be called Asperger's syndrome, which means you're high functioning, but now it's just called autism spectrum. And so it's all a spectrum in terms of what characteristics people might have. So some of early characteristics, like in younger folk like yourself, that you exhibited were delayed language and affected speech skills. And I'm sure listeners can hear you are in speech class. That is something you're working on, right? Delayed movement skills. Do you remember how we told you that we wore you as a hat until you were four years old and that you didn't walk on time or sit up on time? Yeah, I definitely remember that. I'm very not like my brother. My brother like immediately copied Cole and tried to be just like him. So he walked like when he was like two or like he seven months. Seven months. That's how long it took my brother. Yeah, his body wasn't even fully developed to support it. Yeah. Okay, you know, so it took me till I was a toddler to learn how to walk. Yeah, you were almost two. Yeah. Some overlap of symptoms of autism and ASD, hyperactivity, impulsiveness, and inattentive behavior. We've talked about all those. Unusual mood or emotional reactions. We've talked a little bit about that. The one we haven't talked about is anxiety, stress, or excessive worry. And I want you to share with listeners, especially maybe moms, kids who can help their children kind of understanding this. I started noticing you having anxiety when you were like, I don't know, six or seven. You are very young. Do you remember your first kind of panic attack was about black holes? Do you remember that? Well, yeah, we went to think about space thing. Wait, you know, it had like those like, like ceiling TV screen. Planetarium. Yeah, planetarium. We learned about black holes there. And I learned about how a black hole could stretch people and torture them. Before finally turning them, finally killing them. Okay, that's not what the planetarium education was on. But it definitely <laughs> implied that. It definitely implied that you would be tortured before you died if you were sucked into a black hole. Yeah. And so that became something that he worried about for a really long time and did more research on and stuff, right? It was like a black hole near our solar system. So I have to be like, we were, we're going to die. <laughs> and what I think was what I wanted to share about that is that I think a lot of people think, oh, you know, I love my child. I provide for them. You know, they they have what they need. So they're not going to be excessively worried or stressed or anxious. And there were some times where you had anxiety attacks like before school because you would be stressed about schoolwork and stuff like that. But for the most part, your anxiety actually presented as things in the world that I have absolutely no control over. I had no control over black holes. And you also got really anxious when COVID happened. Do you remember like the beginning of the pandemic? Because dad was working and then I got COVID and you were sleeping in my bed at night making sure I was okay. Do you remember that? I don't want to sleep in your bed at night checking you if you're okay. I don't. You brought me the, the little finger measure at like 2 a.m. in the morning just to make sure that my blood oxygen and my heart rate were still okay. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. And so, you know, those are worries that we as parents, you know, I want to validate 
the feelings that you're having that like the worry you're having is real and try to release like there's nothing I can do about that other than support you and validate your feelings like that's not a problem I can fix I think that's been my biggest lesson as a parent with helping you is that most of the things that you're going through a I can't fully understand because I'm not neurodiverse like you and b it's not a problem to be fixed it's my job to support and help you and that is something that I hope that all children who are you know, unique in any sort of way, feel that love and support from the people in their life, right? That like, it's not necessarily that you have a problem that you need us to solve so much as you want to be loved and appreciated for who you are. Is that right? Yeah. That's pretty much it up. It did. One of the problems that you did have was in school. So I know you just said you started middle school last year. You're going into eight. No. I'm going to be one of the big kids. <laughs> and. Look who's bullying who now, Johnson. Oh, my goodness, Wesley. But one of the things that it took for us to get your grades improved in school, because listeners, let me just tell you, if you think that autism means that someone has less intellect, Wesley will prove you wrong. Wesley is incredibly gifted. He is very intelligent. And if you ask him any question about countries or flags or history, I guarantee you, he will know more than you. Like I'm, he, like, I'm like the good doctor from the good doctor. But instead of being a surgeon, I am a historian. A geographic history, specifically. Yeah, the only time that you like got one over on me, is because I forgot what a president of the United States was and the time that there might have been a, like, a made-up country or whatever. We haven't figured out, like, that little mermaid thing or whatever, right? Yeah. But we're pretty sure that it's not a country or whatever, you know? And you do know about presidents of the United States. Just clarify what you just said. It was that no, I, there was one particular president which we asked a question on. I asked you which president. At, well, it was the Watergate building, and I said, "Do you know what this building is?" I, I'm, I'm, I said, "Like, like Richard Nixon or something like that." It was Richard Nixon, but you said somebody else. But no, I said Ronald Reagan. That's yeah, what I said. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, I know one history fact you don't know." But for the most part, you know everything about history flags and geographical history and that's one of the characteristics of autism is having a deep passion for learning something and being able to share that and so being able to lean into that in a school environment changed the game for you right like when you were put in classes with teachers who understand your needs and who understood how your brain functioned, you went from having D's in class your first two semesters, or your first semester, first two quarters, to like straight A's the last two quarters. No, the last quarters I had A, B, honorable, which isn't straight A's, but it's pretty damn close. It's very good and a huge improvement for you because you also were no longer anxious, right? You weren't like crying about going to school or work or anything like that. I'm still crying because I have to wake up at 6 a.m. in the morning. Fair. But not about the actual work and stuff itself, right? No. Yeah. And 
I want you to tell the story of the teacher, I think it was your history teacher, who, after you get your work done, has you share and help other students, and then how you were invited to share history facts for morning announcements. That was a librarian. Oh, was it? Okay, it wasn't true, but it was. No, the librarian was a person who was in charge of the news program. I just kind of went up there and was like, I noticed that there was a new open spot because the previous person said something controversial, which <laughs> I myself cannot say. So I was like, it was like, we have something similar to this. And I was like, trust me, it'll be different. It was different. So you advocated for yourself to want to be part of the morning announcement, which is what I'm hearing. Yeah, I just kind of went up there because the kids is controversial. Got it. So there was an open spot. Okay. I went in there and I filled the position. I stopped making up. I'm going to start making up for eighth, for eighth grade now. So that's going to be fun. Your animation, right? Oh, yeah. I do make a lot of animations. Unfortunately, those are all on the school computer. So I can't show any of them. But I did have a contingency plan for me to have them next year. What I did is I emailed myself all of my best animations. And so in that case, when I opened it up, if I open up my computer next this year, I just scroll down enough, I can find my animation. And you've been doing animations on your phone? Oh, yes. Dumb motion animations. Yes. And history yeah. TikToks? I know you've taken a pause for a couple of weeks, but... Yeah. <laughs> What I'm trying to show is that you took a passion, you took something that you were interested in, and you learned a lot about, and then you shared that with other people. And that it's not because you are lacking intelligence, quite the opposite. You have such a love for and, you know, fascination with history that you have, like, so much to share with others, right? You know, you know, thing I was going to do today... Before this happened, well, I was gonna go draw some. I forget. I was gonna draw something, but I didn't know my notebook was. Mm. Okay, so I know you're reaching maximum capacity here. I, no, I can continue. I can continue. Okay. Trust well, me. what I want to do is talk about some of the other characteristics we were going through, kind of the early characteristics and things that I noticed. And I think we talked about most of them. Obsessive interest is one that I didn't specifically list, but we were just talking about. And really liking certain routines and rules. Yeah, if you can't tell listeners, we look into the side of the screen where there was a box, an article, realeverything.com, full spectrum family autism and ADHD. Go check it out. This is not a shameless self-promotion. No, totally not. Well, I always put links in the show notes every episode. So we'll make sure that we add a link to the article that we wrote because I didn't publish it without your consent, right? Yeah, I I didn't read it down to the classic awkward Wesley smile. <laughs> I still don't know how to smile. Well, that's that is an autistic thing, right? Like this is the maximum I can smile. I, and now I've learned. Like I used to get so frustrated when you were little, and I'd be like, Wesley, look at the camera, look at the phone, and smile. And you would be like, I literally don't know where to look. You literally needed a scream penis in order to get me to smile. <laughs> And, like, and both of those things are autistic symptoms, right? Not being able to make eye contact and having an awkward smile. Also finding it hard to understand what other people are thinking or feeling. So one of the things that we noticed uh, in the last couple of years is that 
it feels to you like when your brothers are teasing you in a loving way, like they're trying to show you affection, but they're brothers, so it's never just truly love and affection, that sometimes it can feel like they're attacking you and that's not what they really need, right? Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know everybody in the family is on my team, but it's quite hard to differentiate between love and them just being annoyed at me, you know? Yeah. It brought tears to my eyes when you said that everyone in the family is your team because that's something we say a lot, right? Not just you, but also other people in the family when they're having a hard time. Like I call kiddo is what I call your other sibling. Oh, yeah. Okay. And when kiddo is having a hard time, we also say like we're on your team, right? We're all part of your team. I gave them a plum one time. Yeah. <laughs> when they were having a hard time. Listen, that's the new love language I have with my new sibling. Well, I will say that. Plums. You and the only way you and kiddo are actually pretty close, which I think is interesting because from an autistic standpoint, it's hard to make friends or like to understand social situations. But I think you guys have a lot of empathy for each other because of the differences that you have. And you have love. You have so much love to give that like when kiddo was having a hard time, you brought them a plum to try to make them feel better. You sat with them and gave them a hug and stuff, right? Like you might have had like a awkward look on your face because you don't know quite how to handle such those situations, but you still loved them and cared about them and wanted them to feel better. As you can't tell, we are legally not allowed to say the actual name. Yes. Unless they come in here and they consent. And the entire government walks in here. They can't until they're sense. 18 or they're legally adopted. So, yeah. So once we legally adopt them, we can actually say their name. But until then, we're just going to use vague terms like new sibling and kiddo. <laughs> right. And we'll probably have a show with them, kind of like we're having a show with you once they are allowed. But let's focus on you. So relationships and social interactions can be a little bit different but you still love deeply, right? Just because it looks a little different from someone who is not neurodiverse. Like you still, last night before bed, you were feeling, I don't know why you were feeling grateful for me and you gave me a big hug and a smooch before bed and you told me what a good mom I am. Do you remember that? Oh yeah, I like kissed you. <laughs> yeah, I was like, wow, that was a really big kiss. What's going on? And you were like, you're I just such like, a good mom. It's like, it's platonic love. Just trust me, all I <laughs> Yeah. And so, you know, maybe to parents of children who are younger with autism who worry like, oh, will they ever be able to love me back? The answer is yes. It might just look different, right? If that means a kiss, then that means that they do in fact love you. Yes. So something that people on the spectrum are good at is following directions exactly. Oh, yeah, to it. <laughs> so I phrased it that way instead of saying like, oh, you're not good with change, right? That's how we kind of reframe and think about things in our family. Yeah, but sometimes I don't really take sarcasm too well because I can, I sometimes don't understand if they're being serious and hot. Yeah, yeah. If a, a really, sometimes I need somebody to be like, Oh, yeah. Or like something that is like blatant. Because, like, when you say, Oh, yeah, he's like super well flying directions. I'm like, To S, I'm not. 
So you, but you are really good at following directions and creating routines for yourself. You are the only child in this house who did not miss the bus last year. And you have to get up before anybody else. And the parents aren't even awake when you get up in the morning to go to school. I only had to miss, I only missed the bus like one time. Yeah. It's incredible. And it's something to really be proud of. And that's because you created a routine for yourself, right? And you're really great at following directions. Like you made the HelloFresh meal last night. I mean, I didn't have dad help me out, but. But what? You did most of it yourself, right? I mean, yeah, I did cut up the most of the vegetables and like put the food in the oven and roast them by putting oil on them. And you really like making milkshakes. We got a milkshake machine for dad for oh, yeah, Father's no, Day. I, lo- I, I feel like yes. Father's Day shall not be Father's Day, but one extra present for the autistic son. <laughs> you sound like really it was a present for you. I mean, yeah, because the only other person that's used it is Cole, and he's used it like like three times. Yeah. And Cole and dad have both used it and both said, we don't make milkshakes as good as Wesley because you learn how to do it. And now you do it exactly perfect every single time. Which is a real shame because I can only make three milkshakes a week now. Yep. I had to put some boundaries around that, right? And like, let's say you're making a recipe and we don't have one of the ingredients that's listed. And I say, just use something else instead. How does that feel for you? Just use what instead? Like, let's say you're making a recipe and you're getting frustrated. You're starting to get, like, really overwhelmed because as you're pulling all the ingredients together, you realize that it called for cucumbers and we don't have any cucumbers. How does it feel when you're trying to follow those rules, that exact recipe, and then you hit a wall and something prevents you from following it? And I say, just go around the wall. I that makes me feel frustrated because there was no going around it. It's like the the Great Wall of China. Yeah, you don't have a ladder. That's a really good analogy. So for me, I'm thinking, why can't you just go around the wall? And you're thinking, I don't have the ladder. <laughs> right. And so that's one of those areas where I have to be aware when something is different in your routine, right? If something if the directions can't exactly be followed that I'm asking you to literally climb the Great Wall of China. That's how big it feels for you, right? Listen, I'm not a Mongolian who has a ladder in the medieval times, all right? <laughs> okay. Well, you I mean, can't people put ladders up today? You don't have to be a Mongolian in the medieval times. Was, that was a historical fact. I've just mentioned it. Oh, you were trying to slip one in. I got it. Okay. All right. Sometimes... But I really need just somebody to help me out and give me that sledgehammer so I can just burst my own wall through. It may not be the ladder, but it works the same way by going over the wall. Or letting your mom give you a boost over the wall sometimes, right? And like sometimes I come in and I help you get over whatever the hump is. And then you're like, okay, thanks, mom. Now I can finish. Yeah. But I like the sledgehammer better because it's a lot more. Well, I like to think of it as like my rhinoceros horn instead of a sledgehammer. How about Oh, yeah, that's totally better. (laughs) Okay. And so would you say that having these supports in school, like a teacher who is like, wow, Wesley, your history animation is so amazing. I'm going to share it with the class. And I want you to do the morning announcement stuff. And having a mom that's like, 
oh, I realized that you're looking for validation of your feelings and you're looking for validation of your feelings and help with this challenge that you're facing that feels insurmountable. Like those kinds of things are what I would call supports after diagnosis, right? Like after we realize that you're autistic and we learn more about it and then we can support you that way. How would you say that affected your life being diagnosed with ASD? You know, a lot of people don't like labels because it puts them out and makes it so like, oh no, I'm going to get bullied and we go hide in that corner over there. That's not a corner. <laughs> Wait, no, that actually is, I don't know. I don't know what a corner is anymore. But for me, it feels a lot better because now I could actually get the help I needed. And because I didn't necessarily have to tell every single person in the room that I have autism, I'd have to like go on a stand over here. Not the worst. I have autism. I. So you liked that your support team had a meeting and kind of shared that information and got it taken care of for you. Yeah, because I don't have to worry about anything, you know? Cool. That's good to know. And we have definitely seen improvement in school since then, right? Your grades are showing that you're more comfortable in class and that you're able to learn better, right? That you're not being asked things that are really hard for you that feel like the Great Wall of China, right? Yeah. And listeners, part of what I had to do as his parent was advocate for what's called an individualized education plan or an IEP. He already had one from his speech from elementary school. And so we added to that plan first with ADHD supports and then with ASD supports. And everyone in the States is entitled to review for the potential for what's called a 504 plan or an IEP. And your doctors, therapists, a lot of different people can help provide backup information. I am an advocate by trade. That is my, I think, my job title at this point. And I certainly felt comfortable advocating for Wesley. What they're looking for in those meetings is for you to say, this is my child's need. And this is how I need the school to support that need. And sometimes you don't know how the school can support that need because you're not there. You don't know what the school's supports are. But you can say, clearly, my son is intelligent. You know that he is intelligent in our case, right? You know that he's intelligent. If he's getting D's in class, that's not indicative of his aptitude and his ability. We need to create support structures for him. What options do we have? And then exploring what you think would be best based on how you know your child, because you're the parent, you know him best. Yeah. And uh, mom, can I just like read this area of this stuff out? This area? Oh, yeah. So I got straight A's. In fact, he's now a student who helps others in numbers of areas. Wesley, the geographic history is savage. Savant, I need to read the article because it just shows a bunch of pictures of me being a word that says. I think like my post is for article. He's actually really cool. <laughs> As a mother, of course, I'm biased, and we also know we, and we are also very grateful. We get a lot of the benefits of his autism. Incredible intelligence, eleven routine and rules. With many of the more difficult, without many of the more difficult ones, ones other families may have faced with someone on the spectrum who is not as high functioning. I can't 
presume to know what that's like. And we are only able to speak out to a personal experience. And as I noted above, you, when you can understand the preferences and needs, it works well to incorporate them into a daily life. For example, Wesley has, okay, Wesley had a fantastic call with Russ Crandall, a family friend, when he was first starting his TikTok channel. Russ told him the most important thing was consistency and just publish daily. Overthinking quality. Not overthinking quality. That it would get better over time. It was the best advice for a kid that loves routine. He took that and ran with it, building now monetized platform where he shares his unique voice. So in this article, I share a video that Wesley made for me that he gave to me for my birthday that was a lego animation his tiktok is lego based history facts and stories using tiktok viral sounds ultimately really what the word that i use is that he is a prolific savant and i mean that in the literal sense when it comes to sharing about history learning about history and sharing about it he is incredibly passionate and you wouldn't be that way if it weren't for your autism right? That's so, that's cool. And I think if more people can learn to see people's differences as an opportunity to see how cool it can be to be different, then the world in general could just be a better place. Yeah, there's a video right here of me showing, uh, yeah, don't click on it because it'll start playing the sound. Oh, okay. What like the other ones I made? I'm not going to show them on camera, but yeah. I actually created another, sorry, like another animation, a stop motion animation. I showed Dad because it was like a Marvel-based, you know, United the superheroes as much as he is. Yeah. But like, I did make it, so. Okay. Oh, wait, wait here, we've gone to the end of the audio. Well, before we get to the end, there is a section I do want to talk about, which is when things feel really tough for you. So when we talked a little bit about like when you're feeling that overwhelm and it feels hard to get over the wall. And you feel like you need some of support. Another thing. And anxiety, depression, black holes. Yes, we did talk about that as well. The other thing that I want to mention is that sometimes you can get really stuck feeling like you need to accomplish something that must be done. Do you recognize those feelings? Oh, yeah, I totally do. Yeah. And sometimes we have to work on some coping skills for you on that stuff because it's not something I can fix and I have to help you understand it doesn't have to be done. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be whatever you're feeling in that moment. And one of the things that works really well is breathing. Can you describe what that's like? Oh, yeah. So essentially, you open your mouth and you breathe. Well, it's in through the nose, out through the mouth. And we usually do how many times? I Three, correct? Yes, three times. And sometimes we pair that with a hug. Physical touch feels good. Yeah. Yeah. You guys want to listen to some ASMR? No, they do not. <laughs> and those kinds of things are called coping skills. And the more you practice them, especially when you're young, the easier it'll be to when you're adult and you're facing those things, maybe in a work environment, to figuring out. How to proceed forward, right? There was no cure for autism, nor would we ever change that about Wesley, because it is inherent to his identity. 
And I went on to say one of the things that has helped with you feeling more in control of your body is taking your medicine for ADHD and taking your probiotic. Right? Mm-hmm. Those two things. I put you always said at the beginning of the podcast. Yes. I'm just circling back around to the end. Yeah. Anything else you want to share that we haven't discussed already? Yeah. Actually. Yeah. When you have autism, it's very hard for me to describe this because it's the only way I've ever perceived stuff. Okay. When you have autism, you just think a lot. Like, you just think. Like, I only really realized that I don't think regularly than most people. When, like, I started, when I realized that people started acting, well, like, when I started to say things, you know? Yeah. So, like, I would sometimes be like, hold on. People who have vision problems, neurodivergence, because they can't perceive things very well. It, because that was like a, it's like shower thoughts, but mm-hmm. only. Yeah, shower thoughts, but all the time for you. Yeah. Obviously, people who are blind or can't see very well are not neurodivergent. Because they the eyes and like the cones and all that stuff. So not neurodivergent, but I just, you know, thought of that just regularly, you know? You're thinking, are those people processing information in a different way? Which is, yes, that's fair. I think that's a really good point that I don't know that I'd really thought about, but is definitely true for a lot of examples that I can think of people who are on the spectrum that maybe because you're not preoccupied with social interactions, right? Like you're not worried about- I don't need friends. I don't need girlfriends. I don't need boyfriends. I don't need- Friends, well, I already said friends. Yeah, I don't need to be in a relationship with any singular living human being. You're not seeking the validation or approval of another human, so your brain isn't really occupied with that space. Your brain is filling it in with other things like thinking and learning about things that you have a lot of interest in. Or in some, especially children with autism, sometimes they do things where they like line up all their toys or like play like play with numbers and size and logic and things like that you know listen there's like a specific order of my room is like i had all of my country bowl stuffed in stuff my stuffed country bowls in like a specific order like you have like the six bowls and you have three in the back it's like a whole thing yeah i just don't randomly like you know i'm not gonna say i'm clean i'm definitely messy and i definitely forget to put my bowls down in the laundry but i definitely am a bit picky when it comes to my room decor well organization and routines is something we talked about right yeah yeah makes sense well wesley i really appreciate your willingness to come on and share it with people and i hope that it helps others understand what they might not have understood about neurodiverse people because we talked about how sometimes there's an overlap in some of the symptoms with adhd and asd but some of the differences between them, right? Yeah. I'm going to like say one final message before you do it. Okay. All right. If you watch this bonus episode and you're like having as like a call with you or something, I, can you just like, like, I, I have no idea what you're doing right now. I'm not telekinetic, but I feel like, but like, I just need you to like stop and I need you to look at the camera and I'm going to say something straight into your eyes. Ready? Okay. Look at me. If you learned anything at all through this episode or you like about if you yourself are just learning a fun fact about autism or you yourself are a parent 
or a sibling of some of somebody who is autistic and now you know how better to do it. Or you are autistic yourself and now know how to treat yourself better, whatever, you know? I forgot what I was going to say. The one point, the one thing you want them to take away is what? Is that... <laughs> I took too long to try and say, you got to look at me directly in the eyes. Look at me. I am looking at you right now. I see I see you there, Joshua. Okay. Do you have any people who listen to your podcast that are named Joshua? I, the joke, the running joke in the show is like there's six male listeners. Maybe one of them's name is Joshua. I don't know. Oh, wait. Oh, Becca, look at me straight into the eye. Don't you don't you go back to driving your car. Oh, wait, you better stay at that red light. Okay, well, we're probably going to cut this whole section if you can't remember what the point was. Okay, no, I remember the point was. Okay. Okay. The point is, main takeaway here is that all autistic people do think differently. My experiences may be different than somebody else. Maybe somebody, instead of rather doing history, might learn how to cook, you know? They might be trying to try to be the next Gordon Ramsay. But regardless of how different other people are, we still have the generalized same ideas. And so we just need to remember that we are different and we are still as human and we're not dumb. I think that was so well said. That should be the whole show just right there. All right, we got it. Including me saying, Rebecca, you better keep going there. Don't. <laughs> I know it's a green light now, but you got to stay here. Well, I think it's such a good point that I it reminded me to share with people maybe some of the autistic people that are famous that have gone on to use that obsessiveness in their mind of feeling compelled to think all the time to do really great things in life. So do you recognize any of the names on this list? Maybe uh, this one? I know Tim Bowden. He is a movie director. He does stop motion. Uh-huh. Anthony Hopkins. I I know he exists, but I he's an actor, but I don't know a whole lot about him. I know about Albert Einstein. He is, you know, essentially the most stereotypical uh, scientist when it comes to stuff like that. Uh, Charles Darwin. He is... He's probably the, he's like the guy who came up with evolution. I mean, he didn't come up with it, he didn't create it. Like, he did, you know, come up with a theory Mm -hmm. and popularize it. I got Bill Gates, Emily Dickinson, Julie Steinfeld. You would probably be fascinated to learn about Bobby Fischer because he was a young man who became a world chess champion. Kind of like those kids that you see who do the Rubik's Cube in like three seconds. I bet those people are also probably on the spectrum, right? Yeah. You got Michelangelo, Kel Tesla, Elon Musk. And if mine, we, I don't want to be autistic anymore. <laughs> what about this guy? Do you know who this is? Oh, yeah. Isaac Newton. He, uh, he's a fool that invented gravity. Now he can't float around anymore. Yeah, he invented it. He created gravity. Yeah, of course. He, he created gravity. What about, stuck. what about from an artistic perspective? Do you know who this person is? Oh, yeah. Michelangelo. Michelangelo. I think he's the one that had the Sistine Chapel, like, on the ceiling with the people touching their fingers. Oh, yeah. That that famous picture that I can no longer get on my head. Yeah. Yeah. So he had trouble with social interactions, thrived on strict routines, had extreme fixation on his work. All of those things would be symptoms of life, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that, these people are incredible people who have contributed to our society and our history in such a positive way. And if more people thought about how they could help and support people on the spectrum, look at the impact that they can have in the world. 
anyway, we've been dragging this ending out for like you're right. Even like milkiness for so long, you know. It's just like it's time to go. Just like that's wrong. All right, so we always try to remind people to leave a review for the podcast. Oh yeah, totally. Five stars on Yelp. Be like best podcast ever. Oh my god, it was so great. I learned so much. Make sure you say I would have done it at one star, but Wesley came on the show because he's so great and amazing. I love Wesley. Oh my god. I would say that if you saw your name in a review, that would feel really good and like you've made a difference, right? Oh yeah, no, totally. Yeah. And if you'd like to receive more of the podcast ad-free like this one, you can subscribe at patreon.com slash the whole view where you will get all of the podcasts to your inbox ad-free. Oh yeah. Only four dollars a month. Mm. Is on the actual Patreon thing? I think it's $5 a month, but they can join the book club for just $1. $6 a month and you have everything. $5 a month, you have everything. $5 yeah. a month, you get everything. That's a bargain. And I would do that, but my mom makes a podcast, so it kind of would be weird. I would just be receiving your money minus Patreon fees, so that would make much sense. Yeah. I'd be paying myself. And as a final reminder, you can find all of the show notes as well as the article that we referenced where we went into more detail about Wesley's experience and different symptoms and characteristics at realeverything.com. And we'll put all that information for you in the show notes. Thank you for being here and listening today and supporting our family. And I hope that you learned something. Yeah. Thanks, Mom, for having me. If you ever need to have an episode, about people who are gay, I'll be always open. So I guess he's out now. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.